Lord Jesus, meet us where we are, wherever that may be. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, for those of you who are observant of liturgical traditions, uh, you would be right to ask, why are we singing in the bleak midwinter in the season of Advent? That's a Christmas song. Well, it's a good question. And to be honest, uh, to appropriate another holiday classic courtesy of 96.5 and 97.3, which started two days before Halloween, <laughs> I need a little Christmas right this very minute. Now, each year I look forward to Christmas, but it's often not the most wonderful time of the year. Sometimes it's the most stressful. For others, it can be incredibly lonely. Maybe the first year without a loved one. It may be the 30th year without a loved one. And yet, Christmas can be so bittersweet. And for many of us, at the very least, it does not live up to our expectations. What should be a source of excitement and joy can put us into knots, whether it be shopping, whether it be the kids coming home, visiting the parents, looking at your children and thinking the years have gone by so fast. I wish I'd just taken advantage of it and now they come home and they think, well, this is what I thought. Uh, when is the most appropriate, inappropriate time for me to leave my family to go see my friends? <laughs> Christmas is a real mixed bag. No matter how old you get, I feel like there's still this looking forward to something magical that is Christmas. And I'm not talking about sort of the commercial magic, but that which is in each and every single one of our hearts that really looks forward to Christmas in spite of its bitter sweetness. Uh, at a very difficult point in my life, uh, I decided that I was going uh, to run from Christmas. Things had gone south really badly in my family. And so it was right after 9-11. And I thought, I bet you I can find cheap airfare to Middle Eastern countries. And I was right. And uh, so uh, a friend Greg and I, we flew to North Africa. And we decided to go on camelback into the Sahara. It was a motley crew. It was Greg and I and these two girls from Southeast Asia and uh, a guy from England and uh, who could only be described as the British version of Elmer Fudd <laughs> and, uh, and, our, and our guy and, and the camels. And so uh, there we were one night and it was beautiful. It was chilly, but there we were. It was two days away from Christmas. And out in the middle of the desert, and the stars filled the sky. And in that quiet, the two girls from Southeast Asia began to sing Silent Night. And it was just so breathtaking that even our Muslim guides stopped and listened with awe. And when they finished singing, there was this wonderful silence of, I thought, all of us delighting around the fire until... The Englishman spoke up and said, I hate Christmas. In fact, I'm here to get away from Christmas. And it, I thought, now how? Well, one, how ironic it is. You think of all places to be safe from Christmas, the middle of the Sahara Desert would be a pretty good pick. And yet, Christmas 
found him. You know, in my own heart, I felt a little bit the same way. For this man and for me, Christmas was not living up to its expectations. And so I say, bah humbug. And I try to run away or at least lower my expectations to manage the thing. But even in our running, where should we actually find the message of the angels? For unto us is born this day a Savior, who is Jesus Christ. But in the middle of the desert, today, we think of the ministry of John the Baptist, out in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth, literally. And he declares to us, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. We find that Jesus finds us in the most unlikely of places. When Christmas isn't living up to its expectations, there's still a part of us that wants to hold on to the wonder and awe of God coming to us as a baby in Bethlehem. And so what about those of us that struggle with loneliness and despair? And Christmas is not all that we would want it and hope for it to be. Just a couple weeks ago, Lauren had taken the two older girls to go off and do something, and I was left with the youngest was about 17, 18, 19 months at the time, and she, I was on the other side of the room, and she stood up on the ottoman in front of the fireplace, she knows she's not supposed to do that, so when I went to reach for her, she reared back and fell backwards off the ottoman and hit her head on the brick thing that comes out from the fireplace. Uh, needless to say, she screamed a lot. And so I picked her up, and I began examining and thinking, well, okay, there's, there's no blood. And then I began to feel the spurting on my hand. Uh, but being our third born, after I got the bleeding stuff, I was like, can I just shake it up and duct tape it? Like, do I need to really take her uh, to the emergency room? Uh, but I knew that I did, and so <clears throat> I took her into the emergency room, and her clothes uh, stained uh, with blood, and she looked like a mess. And she was very nice and very sweet as we waited in the waiting room, and then uh, we went back to see the doctor. And uh, the doctor said, you have two options here. She's going to need staples. And so we can either put a shot, or she's going to need two shots to numb it up. The needle hurts in and of itself, but the medication that's going to numb the back of her head, that's going to hurt too. I said, well, what's option two? And he said, we just staple her. And I said, let's staple her. <laughs> He says, now you just hold her. And I held her, and he walked up to her, and he put the first staple in. And she looked at me, and then she laid her little head on my shoulder and cuddled up into my neck. And she didn't make a sound as he continued to staple the back of her head. And my initial thought was, this child has an incredible threshold for pain. But then it dawned on me. Even if that may be true, she knew that she was in her father's arms. And no matter what came at her, even if the gates of hell were against her so long as she knew that he was in his strong embrace, then she would not fear for anything. 
that I would have the faith of a child who knows that no matter what is going on in life, so long as I am in his embrace, I am safe and I am loved. And that is the message of Christmas, that God has crashed into the world to wrap us up in his loving arms, no matter where we might be in life. You know, if I were God, I probably would say, let's come onto the scene at 30 years old with a great white horse and a warrior sword and let's make it happen and drop the hammer. But God, He comes as a baby. The irony that is the shepherds and the wise men and the angels and those in Bethlehem that night as they kneel before the manger, they look down remembering the words of Isaiah the prophet. Of here's the one, this little baby that will rescue us, embrace us, love us, save us. He comes as a little baby, knowable, vulnerable, killable. Jesus was born into a very dark place. And yet the darkness has not overcome the light. Phillips Brooks was right when he wrote in his Christmas hymn, A Little Town of Bethlehem, that the hopes and fears of all our years are met in thee tonight. In this mixed bag that is Christmas, we are promised this morning by the prophets Isaiah and John the Baptist that there is one who is coming that meets us in the darkest of places, in our despair, our pain, our loss, our loneliness, our longing. And in that darkness, His light shines. And we put our hope, faith, and trust in Him who died for us and in whose embrace we are safe. No matter what, this Christmas season may hold. Let us pray. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Lord, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. Amen.